This is Ham College, episode 13 for January 31st, 2016. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. Get into HF this winter season. ICOM has the radio for you. And by hamstudy.org, a great place to study for your amateur license exam. Hi, welcome to Ham College. I'm George. I'm Tom. And we're back for episode number 13, January of 2016. Lucky 13. Lucky 13, yeah. Uh, it's been, uh, well, we're getting on down in the question pool here. We There's still some technician exam questions left to go. What did I say? Maybe we were... I think I think we've got about a third of them remaining. So we've, we've probably done about... Two-thirds through. Probably about two-thirds through. And, uh, you know, we've been hearing from a lot of folks already who've uh, taken their exam and passed and got licensed now. Uh, they did as we suggested and not wait on us. They went yeah. ahead and did some extra so study. That's going to be roughly six more months to get to the end of the question pool. So, yeah, roughly. In about seven months, every one of you should have your ticket. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But don't wait on us. You go ahead yeah, and get don't it wait now on if us. you want to. Um, <laughs> studying for your exam, that's what this this program is all about, is to try to help people study for their ham license or for those just getting into the hobby to kind of, you know, uh, mentor them a little bit, give them some things to think about, and, and help them to uh, understand maybe a few concepts that, yeah, that they absolutely. don't Absolutely. Help you kind of reason out some mm-hmm. of the, the, the questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of weed them out. And if you're studying for your ham radio technician exam, which is you know the first level of licensing, you'll want to watch Ham College, but there's a couple other things you'll want to do. And one of those is slipped off. Say this book right here. There Gordon go. West Technician Class uh, Amateur Radio Manual. Yeah, that's a good one. This is a very good book. It's got all the questions and answers in it, just like we're going to give you here. But Gordo goes into a lot of detail, a lot of explanation on mm-hmm. it. On I've recommended that book to a lot of friends. Yeah. So we recommend that book. That's a good place to study. Also, hamstudy.org is an excellent online resource to Absolutely. study. Absolutely. And, and a sponsor of the show. Yeah, and a sponsor of the show. Yeah. So, Well, Tommy, I think... Um, Oh, we almost forgot about the chat room. You know, we do that every time we're on here. We uh, have a chat room going at the same time. It's amateurlogic.tv slash chat. Uh, yeah, we've got a nice crowd in there right now. We do. Uh, I noticed that uh, we've got a lot of the presidential candidates joining us again tonight. And some former presidential candidates were in there earlier. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we don't know why they show up and watch. Uh, None of them have gotten licensed yet that I know of. No. But it Six, could happen. seven months, they're bound to have it by yeah. then. My candidate's not running this year. You're, which one's that? Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, yeah. yeah. 
Joe ran, um, I think he ran for president once and vice president once. Oh, yeah? It was kind of mock campaigns, you know, yeah. but uh, he announced. Well, I would um, vote for him. I, yeah, I would too. I mean, I think we need a president with a chainsaw. Absolutely. Yeah. And a good guitar player, too. <laughs> Well, Tommy, you've got a, a history lesson for us this time around. I, I do, but I want to mention one more time. Uh, if you're watching and you're in that chat room, oh uh, yeah. if you're over on the YouTube chat room, don't hang around there because uh, the fun's over in the chat room that you see the URL to on the screen right now. So we That's can only it. monitor one of them. So if you're over in the YouTube one, come join us over at the Amateur Logic chat. Yeah, amateurlogic.tv slash chat. We also want to talk about what we what we went over last month. Do you remember what that was? Vaguely. Vaguely? It yeah. was repeaters. Yeah, repeaters. We talked all about repeaters and um, how they operate, the different types of repeaters. And, you know, when you're a new ham, that's something that you're going to probably use quite a bit. Absolutely. If uh, Especially if you pick a handy talkie for your first radio. Yeah, exactly. You're going you're gonna to want to know something about repeaters. So yeah. uh, go... Go back and look if you didn't watch it. Of course, we've got a lot of episodes for you to go back and watch. But um, tonight, we're going to talk about this one right here. And you've got a special subject that's near and dear to your heart tonight, don't you? Yeah, for calling for help. Calling for help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about the history of SOS tonight, since uh, we're talking about nets and things like that later. Yeah, so. okay. Anyway, so let, let's go ahead and get into it. SOS became the worldwide standard distress signal on 1st of July of 1908, having first been adopted by the German government three years earlier. This string of characters is so well known that almost anyone that sees or hears them is well aware that it represents a call for help. What does that exactly sound like, Tommy? Well, it sounds a lot like... Uh, Sounds similar to mm. that. You got a main fist there. Do I? That's isn't that what they call it. <laughs> so, if if you don't know Morse code, you're you're lying because you really everybody knows that much Morse code. Yeah, I got some click in my key there. You might. Yeah. Of course, I'm not on a radio either. I'm on a. You're here on. I'm, a, I'm on an audio oscillator. You sure so. are. You should see the contraption back here. Yeah, we won't go into that. <laughs> okay. All right, so you were talking about SOS. I was. SOS even made it into several songs over the years. The one that comes to oh. mind is from <laughs> is from ABBA, and I won't, I'll won't. i spare you by not playing a clip from that. Thank you. Do you remember that? Uh, yes. When I saw that, man, that's all I could hear is that clip in my head, and I still can't get rid of it. Oh, man. <laughs> Not quite as well known as the code CQD, which was used before SOS. CQDs derived from the CQ call that most of us hams are pretty familiar with. CQD is said to mean CQ plus distress, or all stations distress. Various theories are around regarding the meaning of SOS, with suggestions that it stands for Save Our Ship, Save Our Souls, as well as several other interpretations. The truth is, SOS doesn't stand for anything. It was chosen because it's easily transmitted using Morse code, an alphabet name for its inventor, Samuel Morse, which in letters represented by combinations of long and short, light, 
or sound signals. SOS is transmitted as. Yeah. Well, Here, I'll turn that back turn it, on. Turn it back on. Okay. Dot, we'll do dot, it. dot, dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. The first recorded use of CQD was by an American ship, or the first recorded use of it by an American ship, rather, was in 1908 by the steamer Santa Rosa off the coast of California. The first recorded American use of SOS was in August of 1909 by the SS Arapaho, who radioed for help when his ship lost its crew near Diamond Shoals. The call was heard by the uh, United Wireless Station, HA, or at Hatteras, North Carolina. Wow. That's interesting stuff. Yeah, I thought it was kind of kind of interesting when I started looking that stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Except that song part. Yeah, that just kind of ruined it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my dad used to listen to that stuff when I was a kid, man. I was kind of... That explains kind, a lot. Kind of captive, <laughs> captive and forced to listen to it. It's... Uh, you could go, parents could go to jail for treating their kids like that nowadays. I they? think so, yeah. I should. There, there should be some kind of <laughs> rule against <Penalty>. it. <laughs> okay, but anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting stuff. That was kind of interesting, SOS. Yeah, everybody pretty much knows that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody knows at least those characters. At least those. Yeah, and the the CQD thing I thought was interesting. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, when I looked this up, I kind of had it in my mind. It was kind of a rough day this week, so I ran around thinking CQD at work a lot this week. Really? Because I was in distress. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway. You were in this dress. Distress. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I tell you what, why don't we get a message from one of our sponsors right now and come back and get right on into our questions and answers. Okay, let's. Get into HF this winter season. Whether you're just starting out, a ham on the go, or an operator wanting to upgrade your shack, ICOM has a radio for you. Looking for that practical rig to get you communicating on the HF bands? The IC718 combines DSP technology in a compact size. It's durable and great for casual HF operating, and it's got easy-to-use and other attractive features not found in other entry-level radios. Want a solid HF radio in a small footprint? Consider the rugged, water-resistant IC7200. It's perfect to take on your next RV adventure. Or set it up as an emergency station for your MCOM group. The 7200 offers simplified operation and features for voice, CW, and digital modes. Searching for that high-performing radio for everyday use? Try the IC7410. Casual and season operators alike will love this HF radio. It builds upon ICOM's celebrated IC746 Pro. It includes faster DSP and built-in 15 kHz first IF filter, band scope, antenna tuner, and more. Does your shack need an update? How about the IC7100? You can use this mobile rig as a touchscreen base station. The separate operating controller is great for hams with limited shack space. You can even explore D-Star digital features, multi-band, and all-mode operation. Make sure you visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM's selection of HF radios. I think it's time that we give away something, Tommy. Yeah, we're going to give away some nice ICOM swag. we got a nice ICOM ball cap and a nice ICOM ham crew t-shirt. 
It looks looks very similar to the one we gave away last month and the month before. Yeah, I think it's got the same wrinkles in it. Same, it does. So Looks the same on the back. Look just as good coming to the ham fest as yes, you do going leaving. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess we need to have a drawing and see who's going to win this one. All right. John W. Eaton, AB1YT. He says, I enjoy watching Ham Nation, Amateur Logic, and Ham College. Thanks to what I learned on those podcasts from the Gordon West Books and the hamstudy.org website, I recently passed all three exams in the same setting. Oh, wow. And now I'm an amateur extra. Awesome. Wow. You don't hear about that too often. Well, congratulations, John. We're going to be, uh, well, actually, ICOM is going to be sending out one of these T-shirts and hats here. Yeah, so they should be contacting him soon, right, to get they, his information? Uh, yep, be contacting him within the next week. Awesome. So what do they have to do to enter for next month? All you got to do is send us an email to, what? what's the address, Tommy? That's a good question. It could be something like hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. Okay, that, that works. Let's try that one. That's where John sent his to. Yeah, it worked for him. Yep. Yeah, so that, that's pretty impressive to take them all three. At the same day. Yeah. You don't hear many folks doing that, and, yeah. and especially taking them all three and passing them yeah. all. So. so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. Excellent job. Yeah. Congratulations. And congratulations on the uh, on winning the contest, too. Yep. Yeah. You're going to be looking good at the ham fest. Well, let's get on into the questions for tonight, Tommy. What are we? What's our main uh, topic we're going to be discussing well, here? Well, kind of mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about uh, nets and emergency type communications. That's why we chose the SOS as the, the history topic this time. All right. Well, let's get on into the first one here. Do you want to read this one? Sure. I'll be glad to. Which of the following is an accepted practice to get the immediate attention of a net control station when reporting an emergency? A. Repeat the words SOS three times followed by the call sign of the reporting station. B. Press the push-to-talk button three times. C. Begin your transmission by saying priority or emergency, followed by your call sign. Or D. Play a pre-recorded emergency alert tone, followed by your call sign. And it's your turn to answer It's my turn to answer it. And boy, as, as you mentioned earlier to me before the show, I didn't put the answers down here by the questions on my yeah. sheet and... Uh, so this could be interesting. Well, first off, I know it's not D. That's it. You nope, don't play an D. emergency alert tone. Uh, let's see. Repeat the words SOS three times, followed by the call sign of the reporting station. Every time I hear those three letters, I hear that song in my head. I don't exactly think that's it. Press the push-to-talk button three times. We know that's not it. Begin your transmission by saying priority or emergency, followed by your call sign. I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with that one just because I did read over these when I was typing them in. But I would not have guessed that otherwise. You wouldn't have? No. By by process of elimination, that's the only one that really makes any sense. Yeah, but I I wouldn't have thought that anyway. I'm, I'm just stubborn that way. You are? I guess. I don't know. I I wouldn't have thought it, but let's see if that's right. It is. That is it. Begin your transmission by saying priority or emergency, 
followed by your call sign. Uh, everyone in the chat room apparently did know it except um, Chip, who was saying it was ABBA. SOS. Except Chip busted yeah. into song yeah. instead. <laughs> and we all know how painful that can be. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next question here. Which of the following is an accepted practice for an amateur operator who is checked into an emergency traffic net? A, provide, provided that the frequency is quiet, announce the call sign and location every five minutes. B, move five kilohertz away from the net's frequency and use high power to ask other. <laughs> that's funny. i got to back up and do that one again. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. Move five kilohertz away from the net's frequency and use high power to ask other hams to keep clear of the net frequency. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking you don't believe that's the one. No, I don't so. think that's going to be. All right. C, remain on frequency without transmitting until asked to do so by the net control station. D, all the choices are correct. So this one's mine. Yeah. And... I'm pro- I'm probably a little rusty on some of this net stuff because I don't really hang out on the nets very often. I'm usually not my schedule doesn't allow, but uh, I think I can probably figure this one out. We already know that it's not going to be. Uh, at least I think I know it's not going to be B. Yeah, I think you're pretty safe in that assumption. It's not going to be that. So let, anyway, let's go down through A. Provided that the frequency is quiet, announce the station call sign location every five minutes. That that's I don't think that's right. Move five kilohertz away and use high power. That so <laughs> leading over onto the net is not really the way to go with that. Yeah, and especially just to do that and then telling other people to keep clear. So I see D says all of the choices. Well, we already said A and B are not it, so that rules D out as well. So the answer is going to be C. Remain on frequency without transmitting until asked to do so by the net control station. Well, I'm going to agree with you, Tommy. Let's see if we got that one right. And we did. All right. Well, we hadn't done the fist bump this time, so there you go. So, But uh, if, you, if you're if you on the net and you check in, like on the weather net, um, unless you have something that's an event that's happened that you really need to report, they'll, they'll query you if they, like if they see, you know, a hook echo over your area or something and they have you down, then they'll mm-hmm. actually ask you for a report. Yeah. Yeah, and also usually um, if you're checking into a net, there's usually a preamble of the net has got instructions on on what we're going to do on that net. Mm-hmm. You know who's who's um, running the net, um, I- any preliminary information that you need to know, and then they will ask for call signs or for check-ins, and they may do something like uh, you know ask for stations in a particular county mm-hmm. or um, depending on what kind of net it is maybe they ask for people whose uh, suffixes of their call sign go you know like a through j or something or mm-hmm. you know they could break it up any way they want to but there'll generally always be some kind of instruction there or the net control will ask specifically yeah for for check-ins right when do the fcc rules not apply to the operation of an amateur station a when operating a racist station and let me just say before we go just about everybody said c on that last one in the chat room there so uh let's see b 
when operating under special FEMA rules. C. When operating under special ARIES rules. Or D. Never. FCC rules always apply. And I, I think we all know the answer to that is going to be D. That's that's what everyone's saying over in the chat room there. So uh, let's see. Yep. Oh, yeah. Here Absolutely. FCC yeah. rules always apply. They always apply. So um, keep that in mind. Which of the following describes the Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service, RACES, A, a radio service using amateur frequencies for emergency management or civil defense? That was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. B, a radio service using amateur stations for emergency management or civil defense communications. C, an emergency service using amateur operators certified by a civil defense organization as being enrolled in that organization. Or D, all of these choices are correct. So what do you think? Well, radio service using amateur frequencies for emergency management. That's That sounds like the right answer. A, uh, for B, a radio service using amateur stations... Emergency management or civil defense. That kind of sounds like the right answer, too. So I, I don't think you could just join races. I think there's some type of enrollment training stuff that you may have to do for that. I'm going to go with D, although I'm honestly not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it's going to be D. Well, they're, they're kind of with you in the chat room there. They're uh, A, D, C. They're, they're kind of guessing around, too. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you. I think it's going to be D there. And you're correct. All of those choices. That was lucky. That, well, yeah, actually, it kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah, it it kind of does. Well, let's move on to the next one. Oh, and let me just say an observation that I made on this group of questions that we're going over tonight. And you can probably tell if you just look at what's on the screen there. The questions that deal with emergency communications have more words in them than any other questions and answers. They are quite wordy. <laughs> yeah, they are. Okay, so I'm, I think it's my turn to read this one. It is. What is the Amateur Radio Emergency Service ARIES? A, licensed amateurs who have voluntarily registered their qualifications and equipment for communications duty at the public service, in the public service, rather. B, licensed amateurs who are members of the military and who voluntarily agree to provide message handling services in the case of an emergency. C, a training program that provides licensing courses for those interested in obtaining an amateur license to use during emergencies. Or D, a training program that certifies amateur operators for membership in the Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service. So that was a mouthful. What do you think, Tommy? Well, you're supposed to answer this one, but I can tell you what I think it is. Am I supposed to answer this one? I am, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I should try to answer. I notice they're saying A and D in the chat room there, so. Uh, I don't think it's D because that's got races on it and it's an Aries question. Very good observation. I totally missed that. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe oh, man, here closer, I am helping yeah. you. <laughs> I, think, I think it's going to be Alpha A. Alpha. 
Licensed amateurs who have voluntarily registered their qualifications and equipment for communications duty in the public service. Licensed amateurs who are members of the military and, well, we can stop right there because you don't have to be a member of the military to be an ARIES. See uh, a training program that provides licensing courses for those interested in obtaining. I think we can stop there, too. Um, you don't have to get in a training program to get a license. Usually people, you know, getting into Aries are, most of them are already hams. It may not be. But, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with with what we said there a moment ago, Tommy. I'm going to say it's a, there we go. Awesome. Awesome. You nailed that. It's all in putting your mouse just in the right place. <laughs> so talking about C, a training program. That provides licensing courses for those interested in obtaining amateur license to use during emergencies. That that would be, uh, and it may be something. It seems like something nice that the Aries Club could uh, could offer. Oh yeah, um, to have you know some classes to help people get their mm-hmm. ticket. Next question: What do races and Aries have in common? Well, a they represent the two largest ham clubs in the United States. B both organizations broadcast road and weather information. C. Neither may handle emergency traffic supporting public service agencies. Or D. Both organizations may provide communications during emergencies. And this was going to be my turn, right? Yeah, and I think I gave you the easy one. Thank you. They represent two largest clubs. I don't think that's correct. Both organizations broadcast road and weather information that's not typically what they're there for and neither may handle emergency traffic well that's the opposite of what's the truth so i'm going with d delta both organizations may provide communications during emergencies yeah i think you're probably right on that and you are correct so is everyone in the chat room too yeah that one was pretty pretty easy to reason out there you can't trip up that chat room no. Not very often. Not very often. And when you do, it's mighty ugly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question here. Okay, what is the preamble in a formal traffic message? A, the first paragraph of the message text. B, the message number. C, the priority handling indicator for the message. Or D, the information needed to track the message as it passes through the amateur radio traffic handling system. And this is mine to answer. I think I actually know this one. You think you do? Yeah. What is the preamble in a formal traffic message? The first paragraph of the message text? Well, that could be the message number now, the priority handling indicator now, D, the information needed to track the message as it passes through the amateur radio traffic handling system. Boy, that's either going to be A or D there. And uh, the chat room is saying it's C or D. So I'm going to say it's D, Tommy. What do you think? I think it's Delta D. You do? Let's find out. And it is. All right. The information needed to track the message as it passes through the amateur radio traffic handling system. That's what the preamble of a formal traffic message is. Yeah. Cool. It's basically like the top of your email. 
Yeah. The header of your email. Yeah. All right. Well, the next one here. Which of the following is a characteristic of good emergency traffic handling? A. Passing messages exactly as received. B. Making decisions as to whether or not messages should be relayed or delivered. C. Communicating messages to the news media for broadcast outside the disaster area. <laughs> D. All of these choices are correct. What do you think? Uh, I can tell you right now, D, all these choices are not correct. Okay. Um, so let's just work our way back up. Communicate messages to the news media. That's that's not going to be it. Making decisions as to whether or not messages should be relayed or delivered. And they should all be relayed if there are traffic to be passed through. So I'm going to go with A. Passing messages exactly as received sounds like a great characteristic of good emergency traffic handling to me. Yeah, that that's what everyone over in the chat room is saying too. So yeah, you know, and and passing traffic messages. That's what you're trying to do is get them through exactly like you got them. Yeah, you don't exactly. You don't need to ad lib it or change it or decide that it's not worth (laughs) or weigh it out whether it should go or not. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next one here. Pretty good roll tonight. We are. What should be done to ensure that voice message traffic containing proper names and unusual words are copied correctly by the receiving station? A, the entire message should be repeated at least four times. Well, that would kind of stretch the net out. B, such messages must be limited to no more than ten words. C, such words and terms should be spelled out using a standard phonetic alphabet. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Um, the entire message should be repeated at least four times. If you did that, you know, somebody could be die there. before you... be there a long time. <laughs> yeah, that, that could really take a long time. Uh, B, such messages should be limited to no more than ten words. That doesn't really work out. Uh, C, which is what everyone in the chat room is saying, except for Mike, and he said Charlie, which is, yeah... Uh, such words and terms should be spelled out using a standard phonetic alphabet. That's the one it's going to be. Yeah, I think so, too. It's not D. All of these choices are correct. C. Such words and terms should be spelled out using a standard phonetic alphabet. All right, let's move on to the next one here. What is meant by the term check in reference to a formal traffic message? Ooh. A, the check is a count of the number of words or word equivalents in the text portion of the message. B, the check is the value of a money order attached to the message. (laughs) C, the check is a list of stations that have relayed the message. D, the check is a box on the message form that tells you the message was received. Well, I'm glad you got this one. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Check is a value. Well, we know you can't do money, so there's no money order. B is not going to be it. We can't, we, can't pay, we can't pass money for in ham radio stuff for passing traffic. No. Check is a list of stations. I just don't think that's it. Check is a box on the message form. What well, says meant by the term. I, check is a count of the number of words equivalent in the text portion of the message. 
That's, I think that's, I'm not totally sure, honestly, but I think just common sense kind of tells me it's going to be A. Okay, well, I'm not. I think not, that's like, a, like a, just a way to validate that the entire message went through. All right, well, let's see, because I don't really know on this one either. Yeah. yeah that was a, a good guess. Yeah, well, that's what it was. Yeah. And that's what everybody was saying over in the uh, chat room there. Well, most everybody. We did have a B in there, but I, th- I think he was joking. Yeah, that was kind of tough right there. I, was I honestly wasn't totally sure on that one. Yep. I, I knew the money order thing wasn't right. Are amateur station control operators ever permitted to operate outside the frequency privileges of their license class? A, no. B, yes, but only when part of a FEMA emergency plan. C, yes, but only when part of a RACES emergency plan. Or D, yes, but only if necessary in situations involving the immediate safety of human life or protection of property. All right. Okay, so I guess what since do you, you think? read it, this is mine, right? It's Yeah, I'm going to say it's either A or D. Or are you ever permitted to operate outside the frequency privileges of their license class? I think I, I know the answer, I think, because I think it's yes, D, because if, if it's um, life, you know, someone's life is in danger or property's in danger, then, then all bets are kind of off. We covered that in a previous question mm-hmm. several months back. So I'm going to go with D on that. Well, I think you're correct, and that's what everyone's in the chat room is saying. There you go. Yeah, there. Yeah, rules are there for a great reason. Mm-hmm. But if some someone's in danger, then you do what you got to do. Well, Tommy, that covers all our questions here on uh, emergency and nets and such. All right, and we got a few technical ones to go. We've got some here. We're going to talk about transistors, and we'll do that in just a moment. But you know, we were talking about a hamstudy.org earlier. Let's get a message from them. Are you new to the ham world? or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level, study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. Tonight we wanted to cover transistors. And so that's what we're going to talk about right here. Yeah. This except uh, is a very early transistor right here. I have a germanium transistor here. This is the first type that we really saw in commercial gear. And if you tear open an old radio or something like that, you may find some of those in there. They're not used much anymore. Most newer transistors 
rather than be germanium, they're silicon. And here's a typical one right here. This is what a 2N2222 silicon transistor looks like. Let me try to. That's what I would typically. Like this I, I'm not. Easier. Transistors are probably my weaker thing on the electronics theory. Mm-hmm. But if I when I picture a transistor in my mind, that's exactly what I picture the kind of a semicircle. This is a small signal transistor right here. They're very, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. Here's an, another style right here. This is actually a voltage regulator, but uh, this is another style of transistor. It can have a little more power. It's got a heat ta- heat sink tab there where we could bolt this down to a piece of metal. And it would take the heat away from the transistor and allow it to operate at a little higher power. And then here's another style of transistor. These are a little bit bigger here. Uh, this this will take a good bit more power. It's made to mount down on a heat sink as well, and you bolt it on there, and that'll help take the heat away from it. So there's just hey, what's the part number of this one? I need this, I need one like this for the te- my television. You do. Yeah, uh, that is a LM seventy eight oh five, or a seventy eight twelve, or a seventy eight fifteen, or twenty four. Or it depends on the voltage of it. Hmm. But I don't really call that a transistor. I mean, I'm showing you this because it there are transistors that are in this type of package. This is actually an integrated circuit, believe it or not. Yeah, but uh, yeah, transistors. Generally, uh, three-legged devices almost always. You'll have a emitter, a base, and a collector terminal on it. There's also field effect transistors, FETs. Those um, are a little bit different. We'll we'll have those in some of these questions here. But they I just, look like that. Uh, they probably look more like this, or maybe like they're in a little one. metal can. You could have some that look like that. Yeah, because I think that's what I need for my television. All right, so those are our transistors. You know, we've got a few questions here on them tonight. So, you know, I really had kind of thought about doing a project showing some transistors, but it's really, it's a little bit complicated for a technician class exam, I think, to get into transistor theory. But there are some basic things we need to know about transistors pass the test and mm-hmm. we're going to go over those tonight but cool. a transistor is an active component you know we call a resistor a capacitor and inductor passive components because they don't really do anything but a transistor does uh, before transistors we had vacuum tubes you know those were used to amplify signals or as oscillators transistors do more or less the same type of jobs okay. or they can be used as a switch uh, a lot of different things you can do with them. They're just, uh, you know, they're they're a lot smaller than than a tube would be. Yeah, they're uh, they're the device that's actually kind of responsible for taking your old radios that were this big and shrinking them down into the ones that you can mount under the dash of your car. Yep. Our first technical question for tonight: Which of these components can be used as an electronic switch or amplifier? A. An oscillator. B. Potentiometer. C, a transistor. D, voltmeter. Okay, so this is mine to answer. Yeah, I'm, what do I you think, I think I just Tommy? had a clue. So I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a voltmeter. 
and it's not going to be a potentiometer because we actually covered those recently. We didn't cover oscillators, but it's not going to be a switch or an amplifier, so I'm going with transistor. Something tells me in the back of my mind that that could be the answer. Well, I think the back of your mind is, is probably right, Tommy. That's <laughs> what everybody in the chat room is saying they there. The same thing in the back yeah. of their mind. Transistor. Transistor can be used as a switch or an amplifier, like we just said. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Next question. What class of electronic components is capable of using a voltage or current signal to control current flow? A, capacitors. B, inductors. C, resistors. Or D, transistors. Hmm. Hmm, let's read that again. What class of electric components is capable of using a voltage or current signal to control current flow? Well, no, the capacitor wouldn't do that. An inductor wouldn't. And a resistor wouldn't. Those are all, as we were saying earlier, those are passive components. But a transistor, an active component there, it can be used um, to control signal flow using a voltage or current. It's going to be, it's going to be transistors, Tommy. Hmm. It's, Something it's just tells a, me. A bit of a theme here. Yeah, I, I kind of sense a pattern. Uh, in the chat room, oh, we've got mostly Ds. We did have a C in there, but uh, well, let's just see. Yeah. KK6WIM says he's sensing a theme here as well. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think we're on something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next question here. Which of the following electronic components can amplify signals? A, a transistor. B, variable resistor. C, electrolytic capacitor. Or D, multi-cell battery. I'm going to just go straight for the kill here, and I'm going with transistor. You a. don't. You don't think of variable... Resistor could amplify a signal. I'm, I'm just thinking that's probably not the right thing for, to do that job. Yeah. I, Electrolytic capacitor, yeah, it's just it's not the first thing I would go for. So yeah. I'm going to go with a transistor. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll go along just for good measure there. And, yes, it's a <laughs> transistor. Wow. Another lucky guess. Another one, yeah. And let's see, your turn so, to read. Yep. What is the term that describes a transistor's ability to amplify a signal? A, gain. B, forward resistance. C, forward voltage drop. Or D, on resistance. Well, I think this one should be pretty easy to reason out here. Um, a transistor has gain to it. Forward resistance. No, resistance is not amplifying. That's... Um, that's attenuating, right? The opposite of yep. amplifying. Forward's voltage drop. No, um, dropping the voltage, that would be a decrease as well. That's not uh, amplifying. Or on resistance. No, that's that's not it. Well, we know a transistor has gain, and that's its ability to amplify a signal. Here we go. You nailed it. Gain. And that's that's what everybody was saying there. What are the three electrodes of a PNP or NPN transistor? A emitter, base, and collector. B, source, gate, and drain. 
C, cathode, grid, and plate? Or D, cathode, drift cavity, and collector? And this is mine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one... What do you think there? Well, I think I, I, think I know the answer is A, I think. But I honestly can't tell you why. I just think that's, those are the three legs of the of it. But I'm not. I'm honestly not totally sure. The transistors are probably. This has a plate in it. This is a tube. Yeah. It's not a that's transistor. A big... So you can probably eliminate that one. Okay. Scratch that one off the list. So you're just going to go with A and just leave I can't it at that. I just can't answer. I, I don't know how to reason the rest of them out. I just think it's A. I'm well, just going to have to guess. A transistor has a emitter, base, and collector. E, B, C. Okay. All right. There's there's a tricky one in there. Source gate and drain seems familiar too, but I don't think that's it. That's what you've got in the FET. Okay. And you got a cathode, a grid, and a plate in this right here, a vacuum tube. So I'm going to go with you, Tommy, emitter base collector. Let's see. There you go. Man, I should have got a lottery ticket. Yep. You think? Yeah, that's a couple of them I've guessed on tonight that I actually got right. But, okay. Uh, at least I, th I thought that was it, but I honestly wasn't. 100% sure about that. Yeah. Well, let's go on to the next one. Which of the following components can be made of three layers of semiconductor material? A, alternator. B, a transistor. Mm hmm. Here we go again. C, triode. Or D, a pentagrid converter. You got a pentagrid converter down there that we can no, look at? I sure don't. I don't have one of those. I got a tube here. I think this one actually... Uh, is that an alternator? I, I believe this one is a triode. Pentagrid converter. I'm not sure what that is. D there. That, is that why a, you don't have one? There's a, a pento tube, but I don't know what a pentagrid converter is. But we're not, we're not talking about tubes. That's not a semiconductor. A triode is a tube. It's a tube with three elements. Uh, a, an alternator. Well... No, it's not an alternator. The only thing there made with semiconductor materials is a transistor, B. you agree? Yep, I believe that's the answer. So there you go. B, bravo. Oh, this sounds familiar here. What does the abbreviation FET stand for? A, field effect transistor. B, fast electron transistor. C, free electron transition. Or D, field emission thickness. Well, what do you think, Tom? Well, I, I think I know what this one is just because I've read the, the term before. Um, but I don't really know how to... T you could probably help with this, but I don't know how to reason out the other ones. I believe the answer is going to be A, alpha field effect transistor. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not really sure how to rule the other ones out, honestly. And the only, the only reason I know that is just from reading some things in the past. Well, um, at least I think I know it. Let's see if you're right first. Okay. A, field effect so transistor. I did get that right. And that's what uh, they were saying over there 
in the chat room. How do you reason it out? Well, I don't think there's such a thing as a fast electron transistor. Never heard of that. Uh, free electron transition. Never heard of that. Field emission thickness. Yeah, that doesn't no, make no idea what that me. means. I don't know how to tell you to reason it out other than it Except means field effect transistor. There you go. It works for me. Yeah. It's a the field effect transistor is still a transistor. It's a little bit different than the ones we were talking about earlier with the emitter basin collectors. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit different than that. I guess we're going to figure out why they're different. I think we are. What? <laughs> Oh, boy, I think we found a typo, didn't we? <laughs> okay, I'm just, what are the three electrodes of a field effect transistor? A, emitter, base, and collector. B, source, gate, and drain. C, cathode, grid, and plate. D, cathode, gate, and anode. Well, I know the answer to this one. What are the three electrodes of a field effect transistor? B, source, gate, and drain. That's your answer right there. A, emitter basin collector. Well, a regular transistor has emitter basin collector, but when we're talking about an FET, it has a source, a gate, and a drain. Okay. That's the three legs on it. So, yeah, I don't know a good way to rule this one out. Other this than is what you're going to have to memorize, I yep. guess. Unfortunately, there's just some of them that are, going to, that are like that, as we've seen through the, the uh, last 13 episodes that we've done the yeah. last 12 rather yeah well everybody over in the chat room here is saying it's b so apparently people know what this is and that is correct source gate and drain cool well tommy i think we've got to the bottom of another stack of questions it. here okay that should we take it. that one off the screen we can take that one off the screen and we can tell you that's all the questions there are on your technician exam about transistors. Uh, oh, okay. That's so that's why we had the few extra this time. That's why Go we yeah, we had up. extra questions. We wanted to cover all the transistor ones at once. Just get them out of the way. Cool. All right. Well, all I'm right, you get some supper. Yeah. Thanks for being here tonight, and uh, we'll see you here next month. We'll see you for Amateur Logic in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see some of you at the Hamfest next yeah. weekend. thought it but let's see if that's right well apparently there is no answer for that question why don't we put it on the screen that's so everybody else can see too so one sure that says plus yep whoops you broke it cathode gate and anode on D there well that's not it. There's a. <laughs> there's. I mean. Okay, that's how you rule that one out. <laughs>